a listener production. All right, I'm ready. Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. Hello, Gistners. Welcome back to another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly ish, well, bi weekly. Got to get used to that. Yeah. A podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to discuss at a dinner party. Rosanna, Mm. what are you serving us this week? Oof, this one is like, I, this has been on my list for a while and I I was struggling with what to pick for this week and, um... And then it's kind of been in the news a little. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, of course. And so it seems like a good time to do it. And it doesn't really need much of an introduction because I think everyone knows it. But this week I am giving you just the gist Mm -hmm. of the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. (gasps) Oh! Oh, Lindsay's excited. (laughs) I feel like this is a John Bonet Ramsey story where, like, you know the name but you don't know anything about it. And I know that she's been popping up in the headlines again recently. It's been I don't really up know why. Because there's this Polish girl called Julia who's like 20 and she's like got a TikTok account or an Instagram account where she is saying that she thinks she is the grown-up Madeleine McCann. Mm-hmm. Like there's no record of her life for like the first few years of her life. And and it, it, she's it, mostly people think she's probably just doing it for attention or maybe a bit off mentally or something, but it has just brought it up in the news again because this girl is insisting that she thinks she is Maddie McCann. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm coming into this very, very fresh. Yeah. I've just sort of been racking my brain. Do I know much about this at all? No, I really, really, I don't really think don't. I sort of didn't. I assumed, oh, yeah, I know that story. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is, it's got Lindy Chamberlain vibes. It's, mm. you know, it's a lot to do with the media. It's, let's get into it. Go. Okay. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> it's May of 2007. Mm-hmm. So not that long ago. What were we? Just fresh out of drama school around then. Yeah, freshly dropped out of drama yeah, school. Freshly yeah, freshly dropped out of drama school, yeah. <laughs> um, the British McCann family are on holiday in a resort town called Prada Luge in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family is married couple Kate and Jerry McCann. They're both doctors in their late 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate's a GP and Jerry a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. And they have their three children with them, Madeline McCann, who was a week away from turning four, mm-hmm. and two-year-old twins, a boy and a girl called Sean and Amelie. Mm-hmm. The McCanns were travelling with a bunch of other doctor friends of theirs and their kids. There were seven adults and eight kids altogether. Mm-hmm. And Prada Luge um, was often called Little Britain because it was like a resort town that pretty much was exclusively visited and frequented by British people Mm -hmm. and British families coming to stay for holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, Very popular place to go. And the whole group was staying in apartments in one apartment building and the McCanns were on the ground floor and the corner uh, apartment of that building. Mm -hmm. So both sides of the apartment building um, was basically on, like, public street, like, right on the street. Um, The kids were sleeping in a bedroom that had a window facing onto the street, but uh, the McCann said that they had kept that window and the curtains closed for the whole holiday. Mm-hmm. So they had a great week in Prada Luge, just hanging out by the pool, doing family holiday stuff. Kids went to kids club. I assume the adults just 
got ate and got pissed and yep. yep. <laughs> what you would do. Um, usual stuff. And every night of the week, the whole group had booked the same table at the local Ocean Club Tapas. Do you say tapas? Tapas. I say tapas. Tapas, okay. But you've spent a lot of time in South Australia, so tapas. you probably would say tapas. Oh, shut up. <laughs> tapas. Tapas just feels like tap it, like, like a bogan way of saying it. But I suppose if you say it like... Ilaria. Tapas. 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 Yeah, tapas. see, that sounds nice. The mm. way we say it sounds... Tapas. <laughs> um... <laughs> They were um, had the same table every night at the local Ocean Club Tapas restaurant, which was um, 55 metres away from the apartment building. And we know this because the seven adults on the trip became known as the Tapas Seven because every <laughs> night when they went to dinner, they would leave the kids all asleep at home in the apartments. Uh-huh. And then they'd walk over to the restaurant at like 830 um, which was 55 metres away, and then they would go back and check on their kids like every half hour or hour or so. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they would check on each other's kids. Like There was constantly sort of someone or a couple of parents going back to check mm-hmm. how the kids were because they were pretty much all under five, all these kids. Yep. So. Oh, my God, this is so Lindy Chamberlain. It is. This, yeah. it is. The way the media gets into it, it is. Leaving the kids and yeah. they're not that far away and they are going and checking on them. Mm-hmm. They're being responsible, but I think I can tell what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so the system had been working fine. They had literally had dinner there every night of the week and the kids had been sleeping back at the apartment building. Um, and that brings us to May 3, which is the last night of the holiday. Mm-hmm. The tapas. Tapas 7 is having dinner, as usual, starting at 8.30 at their usual table. Jerry, the dad, went back to the apartment to check on their kids, his and uh, Kate's kids, at uh, 9pm, so half an hour later after they started dinner. He said the kids were all uh, there. They were fast asleep. They were fine. The two twins were in little travel cots and Maddie had her own little single bed in the one room. But one thing he did notice when he went back was that he had left the door, just the bedroom door, Mm. just slightly ajar when he left. And when he came back, it was wide open. Mm -hmm. And he was, he just, you know, he he clocked it, thought, oh, maybe Maddie got up. I don't know. But he just, he closed it again so that it was just slightly ajar and went back to the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, Kate was going to go and check on the kids again half an hour later, so at 9.30, but another parent in the group was walking over then and he was like, oh, I'll check on them and save you the mm-hmm. trip. So this guy um, went over to check on his kids and um, it was easy for him to just go into the McCann's apartment because they had a, a patio on the back side of the apartment and they kept the patio doors unlocked. So oh. there was a uh, gate on the street and this was the back, like, Mm-hmm. So there was a main street and then there's sort of back street. So this was the back side. Alley, yeah. Yeah. And there was a gate and a couple of steps up to the patio and the patio doors were unlocked. So he was like, I'll check on your kids because he knew the doors were unlocked. They'd been doing it all week. So he went in through the patio doors and he said when he walked in, he saw that the bedroom door was wide open, mm-hmm. but he couldn't hear anything and he didn't want to wake the kids I mean, because they're not going there to like, it's basically like, are they crying? Is someone Mm. awake? Are they upset? If you don't hear anything, he's like, they're in there sleeping. There are no fires. Exactly. You don't want to risk starting one. So he didn't go in. He just saw the door was open, didn't hear anything. He was like, okay, good. They're fine. Assumed. And then checked on his kids, walked back to the restaurant. 
So half an hour after that, at 10 p.m., Kate McCann goes over to check on the kids again. Mm -hmm. You look, you're on the edge of your seat. I'm I'm filled with anxiety right now. Yeah, okay. Half an hour after that, so at 10 p.m., Kate McCann goes over to check on the kids again. She went through the unlocked patio doors like usual and immediately noticed the kids' bedroom door was wide open. She didn't hear anything either, so assumed things were fine, mm-hmm. went to pull the door, like, closed a bit, and it slammed shut, like <gasps> a draft had oh, kind of pushed okay. it. And <gasps> she was like, yeah, <laughs> not a ghost. <laughs> not a, it just, just slammed, like, you know when you sort of nudge a door and then all of a sudden it goes woof, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like, whoa. And yeah, so yeah. she was like, that's strange because, um, like, the wind, we haven't opened that window the whole time we've, been here like I wonder what that was from and so she opened the door to check like maybe someone opened the window opens the door looks to the window sees it's open looks down at Maddie's bed and Maddie's comfort blanket is there and her cuddle cat is there but she is gone oh god so Kate looks to the twins they're still asleep there Uh in their cots she runs around the apartment calling for Maddie she says it's obvious she's she's not in there. Mm. And so she just freaked, sprints back over to the restaurant, screaming, Madeline's gone, Madeline's gone, someone's taken her, Madeline's oh. gone. Something that came back to bite them later because they were like, why were you trying to push the narrative that someone had taken her? Like, you left the patio, like, she could have wandered off. Like, just it, every tiny thing they did. Scrutinised. Scrutinised. Yeah, Linda Chamberlain. So police are called 10 minutes later, 10 past 10, um, and a couple of guys come and basically the entire town that night ends up out on the streets because it's a little resort town and they're all just out calling Maddie's name, looking for her, um, nowhere to be seen, Mm -hmm. nowhere to be seen. And this is where it's alleged pretty much from the Mm get-go that the Portuguese police were screwing things up from the very start. Like, we're not prepared for a crime like this, a case like this in this little town, very similar to the Jean Bonnet mm. Ramsey thing where they just weren't expecting it. They just sent some random over. A lot of mistakes were made. Crime scenes were tampered with. Exactly. Evidence wasn't handled correctly. Yes. Right. So the Portuguese police wasted um, what are called the golden hours after a child's disappearance where you have a certain amount of time to get really crucial evidence before it's too late, mm-hmm. um, like with um, Jean Monnet. Mm-hmm. Um, so experts have said since um, then that they didn't even do basic things that should be done, like you said, didn't secure the crime scene. So just pe- everyone was trudging through it for a couple of hours and they didn't clear the ground, which is basically where you get a whole lot of police officers in a row who just walk inch by inch Mm. very slowly looking down at the ground for anything, a hair, a Mm -hmm. shoe print, a bit of dust. Like, that's you've got to do that. It's tedious, but that's important. Didn't do it. Um, They eventually found evidence like a few weeks later of like a stranger's DNA in the apartment, but... By that point, more than 30 people had trudged through it before it was secured. So it was, you know, they couldn't Mm. do anything with anything they found in the apartment that night. They didn't swipe for fingerprints. They didn't 
alert like local traffic police or public transport authorities to look out for a child of this description. They didn't even get in touch with Interpol for five days. Oh, shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. I mean, a crowd had even gathered outside the window where, like, the bed, the child bedroom window mm. that had been opened and the police just left them all there for a couple of hours, didn't dust for fingerprints. All these people are looking at it, touching it, leaning in, like, looky-loos. Just let, like... If the window was open, you're assuming that had something to do with it and they're not even cornering oh, it off and getting no. evidence. Like just totally compromised. Even things like gloves. They weren't wearing gloves. They were just like picking stuff up. They just had no idea what they were doing. In 2007. Seven, right? Like obviously I do not have the training that no. a police officer would go through, but I've seen some movies. And just like, I've seen some TV shows. Common sense. Like cordon off the crime scene. Yeah. Don't pick stuff up without a glove or something, you know? This is like 10 years after JonBenet Ramsey as I know. well. Like, I, I know. Um, okay. So it took them, and this is what's crazy, it actually took them ages to even get there that night. So I said they called the police at 10 past 10 and a couple guys came, but they didn't come until 11. So it took them 50 minutes to even get there. Mm-hmm. And they were just a couple of local police dudes and they kind of had a look around and then they were like, shit, we can't see her. We better, this is over our heads. So they call in the big guns who are the criminal police, kind of like, you know, they're the police and they call in the FBI, like the the higher up, more experienced yep. troop or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, we better call the big guns. Those people didn't arrive until 1 a.m. So the initial call to the police was at 10 past 10 mm-hmm. and the whole proper team of police didn't arrive even until 1 a.m. So it was just like, they weren't even, it was just two dudes going, mm. just <laughs> the whole thing's a mess. So it's said that Portuguese police were focused on the McCanns as possible suspects pretty much straight away, which is normal because the most obvious suspects are always the parents, the immediate family, mm-hmm. but then the whole process is you eliminate them as suspects so you can move on to yep. the next most likely, mm-hmm. which in cases like this is you then look into sex offenders in the area, mm-hmm. you eliminate them, then you look into like evidence of eyewitness stuff, you eliminate that. Like that's how you do it. Mm. But they just kind of got stuck on the parents and didn't move on. Mm. And it wasn't helped by the fact that this story was literally the biggest media story in the world by the next morning. Mm. It was everywhere. I mean, Madeleine McCann is a cute little kid. I mean, and I think most people remember or have an idea in their mind of the photo, like the photo of her that they spread around. She's angelic looking, she's blonde, she's white, and she has these green eyes. And the thing that everyone remembers is she has this interesting um, black strip across one of her irises. That made uh, her yeah. stand out and was mm-hmm. quite distinctive. Do you want to have a look at her right now? I'll Google her. It's that photo of her that everyone kind of knows in the little red T-shirt and you can yeah. see her eye. And so it was like, you know, you'll know it's her because her eye is so distinctive. Mm. Gosh, I didn't even realise how many times I've seen that photo. Yeah, because it's just, it's it's almost like a cultural artefact in your brain, which mm. is weird. So, yeah, she's this adorable little girl with this distinctive feature in one of her eyes. Her parents are very well-to-do, upper-class mm-hmm. British doctors. You know, they're white, they're rich. It's prime to be just media fascination. Mm-hmm. And Kate and Jerry, they're smart and they lean into that because they're like, 
we need the press across this to help. Mm. That's what their immediate instinct is just get her photo out there everywhere, mm-hmm. which is smart. So within a few days, they felt like it was pretty obvious to them the Portuguese police were totally inept mm-hmm. <laughs> and also kind of leaning towards them and nobody else. So they took matters into their own hands and they just really leaned into press. They hired public relations consultants to come over from England Mm. and the British government sent some government public relations people over from England to Mm. help them, like, handle the media because literally the entire world's media descended on this tiny town and wanted to talk to them. So they did need help. Mm -hmm. Um, But immediately people were like, why are you hiring PR specialists the day after your daughter disappeared. You know what mm. I mean? Or like a couple of days after your daughter disappeared. Same thing for Lindy Chamberlain. Yeah. Why are you hiring a manager? So they immediately start holding press conferences all the time. Like Kate and Jerry sitting there, photos of her. They they pick that distinctive photo. It's like they're smart about getting, you know, essentially a bit of a PR campaign together. Mm. Um, they were very organised about it. And Jerry told Vanity Fair a year later, and a lot of people didn't like this, that they decided straight away they needed to, quote, market Maddie. I know, not great. Not great. Yeah. Don't need sound bites, buddy. I get it. You want to spread the word, but... Yeah. I think what's interesting to me about this is, and I don't know them, this is pure speculation on my part, they're doctors. I assume they're probably very cerebral, logical people. Mm -hmm. And so to them, it was just like... Like, I've I've had friendships with people in the past and, like, dated a couple guys who were very cerebral and very logical and maybe it was just, like, straightforward to them. Of course, we want her photo everywhere. Of mm. course, we market her. We get her photo. Out. Like, why, like, and it probably just they weren't even thinking. About the commercial implication of the word yes. market. Yep. Like, it was just like, what do you, yeah, they mm. weren't thinking about it from that point of view. I mean, but I don't know. Um. So on the 15th of May, so nearly two weeks later, because she disappeared on the 3rd, they set up Madeline's Fund, a, like, charity with a website, Mm -hmm. um, which was aiming to raise money to help with the search because they wanted to hire private investigators because they didn't trust the Portuguese police. Mm -hmm. They wanted to keep all this press stuff happening. Um, The website in two days got 55 million hits. Like, people, this was the biggest story in the world. People Mm. couldn't get enough of it. And the Portuguese police were kind of like, fuck you guys, like you literally have just told the entire world that you need money to hire private investigators because we suck. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, they're pissed. <laughs> so, Which is a natural response. Not great. Sure. But, mm. um, but at this early stage, the press were mostly on their side still. Mm. This adorable little girl had gone missing. It was awful. They were stuck in this other country They just needed help. Everyone was like, you know, banding together as a community. Let's find Maddie. But there were, at this point, two weeks in grumblings. Mm -hmm. Grumblings. Like, um, you know, the headlines were all, help us find Maddie. Where's Maddie? This is a tragedy. But as you know from your Lindy Chamberlain episode, Mm -hmm. when there's grumblings, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And Kate and Jerry were rubbing people the wrong way for a few reasons, Mm -hmm. some of which are similar to Lindy. 
Right. So one was that they didn't seem emotional enough, particularly Kate. Mm -hmm. Um, They were doing press appearances almost every day and they were always very calm and very measured. They weren't crying. Mm. They were, like I said, I think just two people who thought we have a job to do. They're trying to get information across. They're trying to say she's this size, she's this height, she was wearing this, she weighs this. Mm. Find our daughter. Focus on the facts. They were trying to, yeah, focus on the facts. In a situation that is so intense where if they allowed themselves even the tiniest crack Mm -hmm. of emotion, the floodgates would have just Mm. opened probably. And then, I mean, you can't win either way though because you look at, and this may not be a good example because I think she's involved, Jean Bonnet's mother mm. was hysterical in front of the cameras and people were like, well, that doesn't seem real. Yeah. It's like you can't get the level Took it too far. of emotion exactly right for anyone to be happy, mm. really. Um, yeah, so people are, particularly Kate, they think she's cold. Why isn't she more upset? She's a mother. She doesn't seem maternal. Mm. Like, I would be devastated. Um And then also people were saying that Jerry seemed opportunistic. He seems to be, because he would often take the lead on talking, seems to be enjoying the limelight, seems to be kind of like uh, reveling in this, like Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. So there was grumblings about that, but it was still at the point where nobody wanted to come out and say it Mm -hmm. yet. Like, you know, with Sherry Papini, when she disappeared and everyone was like, something about this feels off, but you don't want to say... I don't want to be the first one to put it out there. Yeah, I could end up getting crucified. But there were grumblings happening and just all these press conferences and the fact that they'd hired PR, it felt icky to people. Mm -hmm. People were just like, what is this? You know, and it's like, well, they do what they have to do. But just people didn't quite like it. To the outside... It looked like a media circus that they had created. Mm-hmm. So there was also the issue of them leaving the kids alone mm-hmm. while they were at the restaurant. Now, I said it was only 55 metres away, mm-hmm. but that is as the crow flies. Okay, so they didn't have it within eyesight? No. Uh-huh. They could see like the t- like they could see the tip of the apartment building. They couldn't see any doors or anything. I'll show you a photo. It's actually quite a walk. So a sentiment started to grow that they'd been negligent, like Mm. leaving the kids there. So here's a photo and it says, so here is the tapas restaurant and here is the apartment. And you see that you have to sort of really walk all the way around and like this isn't just, oh, Oh, it's right over there. See, I look at this photo, I would not leave my kids there while I went that far away to dinner. No. I just wouldn't. No. No. Like, I mean, that's a few hundred metres walk. It's... Like, well, it's apparently I've, only 55. It's 55 metres as the flow crows. As the crow but flies. But you would have crows. to yeah. swim across a pool, yeah. climb several fences in order to get Yeah, it's 55 metres if you walk through buildings. Yeah. They have to walk all around and weave through a thing. It's, it's, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't leave my kids that far away. I'm so glad you clarified this because yeah. to begin with, I sort of had in my mind that they could just glance nah. over their shoulder and they could see the apartment. No. And if the kids made a loud enough noise, they'd be able to hear something. Oh, they wouldn't be able to hear, no. No way. This is far. Yeah. Oh. It's far. <laughs> so when people saw that, like exactly how far it was, people were like, you left your kids over there? That was a bold choice. Yeah. And so that kind of sentiment started to grow that they had been negligent and also that they were getting special treatment just because they were fancy upper-class white people. Mm. 
there was a woman interviewed on radio um, at the time who said, I think the McCanns are hypocrites. At the end of the day, if it was people on council estates, we'd have our children taken off us for that. They're mm. doctors. They should show an example. They went on holiday. They've got a big house. They've got money. Why didn't they pay for babysitting facilities or take a nanny with them? They wanted to go on holiday together, so why did they leave them? And that was kind of indicative of what a lot of people were thinking, mm. but it's also like, okay, sure, but... that. And to what end? They deserve to have their kid kidnapped then? Like, no, of course not. No, like, no, that's right. But it's also kind of like, but if something happened, like if she wandered off, if there was an, like, that's on you, you left her there. That's what people were kind of saying. That's gross. I know, but this is where the, the sentiment was going. Yeah. And the first sign that the press, which for the first couple of weeks had been largely positive, was starting to flip was at a pre- one of their press conferences, of which mm. they had many, where they were directly asked by a reporter the following, how do you feel about the fact that more and more people seem to be pointing the finger at you, saying the way you behave is not the way people would normally behave when their child is abducted and they seem to imply that you might have had something to do with it? So this was the first time anyone had straight up asked them to their faces, what's the go? Oh. And they replied, Kate replied, To be honest, I don't actually think that is the case. I think there is a very small minority of people that are criticising us. The facts are we were dining very close to the children and we were checking on them very, very regularly. You know we are very responsible parents and we love our children so much. I think it is very few people that are actually criticising us. And Jerry McCann chimed in and said he'd never heard anyone considering them suspects and there is absolutely no way Kate and I are involved with this abduction. So they're doing all they can. They're doing all this press. It doesn't even occur to them that the tide is changing from that. They're just like, oh, I think a couple of weirdos are saying that. But no, no one thinks that. That's silly. Mm. Oh, they didn't, they weren't prepared. So this has all happened in a couple of weeks. The McCanns are still in Portugal with their twins doing all the press and working with their own investigators. They even go on a press tour, which people don't like, of kind of uh, surrounding countries in Europe to talk to local news in other countries. Like, they're Mm. just trying to keep the attention on it. Um, And they do force the Portugal police to follow a few leads that they weren't, because they were just kind of like, we think you didn't. (laughs) They weren't Mm. looking into anything. There was um, one of the women in the Tapas 7 said when she was walking to check on the kids, she remembers seeing a man walking away from the apartment building carrying a sleeping child. Mm-hmm. And that was about 45 minutes before they noticed Maddie was missing. So they kind of force the Portugal police to look into it and they actually officially name some dude who lives nearby who looks like her description as a suspect. Mm-hmm. So literally internationally across the world, this man is named the first official suspect in the case of Maddie McCann's abduction mm-hmm. because he looks like kind of what one of the people eating at the tapas restaurant, remembers someone maybe kind of looking at. After 17 margaritas yeah. and a pint of sangria. But the horrible thing is it came out a few years later um, when it was investigated like really thoroughly by Scotland Yard that the man who was carrying the sleeping child was just another holiday maker who'd gone to pick up his toddler from creche and was walking back to his mm-hmm. accommodation. Mm. So like this guy got named a suspect and his life kind of ruined for no reason because it was just like no there was no 
the Portuguese police just weren't really, they were just doing whatever. Yeah. So they followed that lead, but, you know, it didn't quite go anywhere. And um, the McCanns are holding all these press conferences and talking to the media about how much the Portuguese police, like, are terrible and they're not doing their job and they're inept. And they are getting the shits with that, as in the police are getting the shits with the McCanns. Mm -hmm. And um, from the start, in Portugal and in Prada Luge, especially um, the media and kind of more popular sentiment in Portugal is that they're probably guilty mm-hmm. because the Portuguese media and the police work really closely together and the police are getting the shits with the McCanns and so they are leaking quotes to the press, like things like, you know, our main suspicion is that Maddie died in an accident and the abduction is a cover-up. Like, <gasps> they were just leaking quotes like that to the Portuguese press. Oh. So people in Portugal really thought they did it and they're <sighs> making us look stupid and inept on a world stage just because they're trying to get away with it. So oh. the sentiment against them in the country was not positive. That's um, hideous. Yeah, and they were leaking things like, you know, um, they are, like, the press would just say, you know, someone within police, what it, like, uh, ranks mm. has indicated that there are only two suspects on the list, Kate and jo- like, Jerry McCann, like, just things like that. They were just leaking this stuff to the press. Um, the <gasps> British press, though, like, the British press had, like I said, for those first couple of weeks, been pretty, like, where's Maddie? Let's save her. Mm. Love, love, love. But that starts to turn, particularly in the tabloid press, like News of the World, which still existed then, which is the mm. one that got shut down for tapping Phone people's tapping. phones, yeah. um, and Daily Mail and stuff like that. They had been tentatively testing the waters, posting some negative stories and interviewing people like that council housing mother um, and, you know, just like kind of being like, why, why, weren't, why weren't the kids at the dinner and why doesn't she seem upset, that kind of thing. And then... The cadaver dogs happened and this turned everything around. So weeks into the investigation, Jerry and Kate and their twins, still in Portugal, Mm -hmm. British authorities offered to send expert cadaver dogs to Prada Luge to um, help the Portuguese police, like, sniff for bodies. A cadaver dog's whole job, trained its whole life to sniff out, like, corpse Uh or, like, dead Tissue, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is when they, that's what they are trained to smell. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing they're trained to smell, like to react to when they smell it. Mm -hmm. And so the dogs were taken around to um, 10 cars, including uh, the McCann's hire car. And they only stopped and started barking at one car of the 10, and it was the McCann's car. Mm hmm. They were barking at the boot and doing that thing where they jump up and tap it that indicates they are smelling what they've been trained to smell, which is traces that a dead body has been there, Mm -hmm. right? And this was the permission to the media. Like, they did it. The cadaver dog said so. Like, if if you've been on the fence, get off it. Like, we've been tentatively saying maybe they're terrible. Now we can say they are. Mm. Like, this was it. It was like, they did it. Look at the cadaver dogs. And even Portugal police were like, they're your dogs. You sent them over. Like, we, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so what can we do? Here's the thing, though. Mm. Never mind. The actual detail of this story was that they had hired that car 25 days after 
Madeline disappeared <gasps> because they had to continue living in Portugal. Mm. So they would have had to have kept her body hidden somewhere, then moved it to the boot of that car, then transported it in that car somewhere else and gotten rid of it, all while the police and the world's media <laughs> were watching every move they made. They could not take the rubbish out without mm. being photographed. And they're saying, like, there never really was an explanation as to why the cadaver dogs sniffed, but there is speculation that the Portuguese police did something Tampered to... with the car. To make it... Ha- or, like, there's often with these dogs, you get them riled up in a way that they, you know, will do it to a certain who you want. Like, they just... The general sentiment is it was something dodgy with the Portuguese police and the way they used the dogs. I absolutely don't put it past yeah. them. We keep talking about the Lindy Chamberlain episode and, yes, those authorities were out to get yeah. Lindy. And what do you do when the people who are meant to be exonerating you and finding the real killer thinks it's you? Mm. What do you do? Mm. And they're willing to try to bend logic and... Yep find evidence that doesn't even exist that's going to make you guilty because then they can win, right? Then they emerge the heroes. Yeah, and then it probably does get to a point where they're that far into it, even if they do start having a niggling suspicion, oh, I don't know, no, sunk cost fallacy too far in. Mm. If we admit now that we're wrong, how humiliate, just stick with it. All in on Make it work. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, the Lindy Chamberlain episode's good. One of our best. You really, yeah, people, everyone go listen. So, yeah, the cadaver dogs basically sent the press crazy. Mm. That was just permission to let fly. And in the British tabloid media, there were headlines like, they must be involved, Mm. mum and dad did it, bodily fluids found in car, like Angel Maddie sold by parents into sex slavery. Like, they were just like, let's speculate wildly. <laughs> like Really balanced, objective yeah. journalism. Well done, everyone. So it just, that's where it went very far. It was like a couple of weeks of positive press and then it just devolved and snowballed into a mess. The other story that this reminds me of is the tragedy of Richard Jewell. Yes. How he went from being a hero who saved hundreds of lives mm-hmm. by finding a bomb that had been planted at the 1996 Olympics and then people started speculating yep. maybe he planted the bomb mm-hmm. and then the entire world turned against him. Yep. And the media frenzy. They because, fuel it. Yes. Yeah. Because for them, that's a commercial endeavour. Well, exactly. So they fuel it and this is what... I was going to say, like, they they fuel it because it's making them money, but then also it's making money because they're fueling it. So mm. it's like a situation for them that's never going to be bad, mm. right? And in this sense, in this situation, um, editors at the time said that if you put Maddie on a cover, you immediately, like, doubled your circulation for that day or week or whatever the paper or magazine was. But if you put Maddie on the cover with a negative headline about her parents, even more. Mm. Like, Maddie, good numbers, going after the parents, oh, through the roof. So gross. I know. Like, honestly, the story had turned into, like you said, a commercial product. Mm. It was now not really about the story. It was about how much money the story can make and the McCann's on covers were making the most money. Oh, yuck. Horrible. When horrible. are we going to learn? I know. Never, never. It'll, and it'll happen again. Like some other one will come up. It's 
kind of cyclical. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's just oh. so. Not long after the cadaver dog thing, the McCanns, still living in Portugal, uh, they're brought to the police station and told that they are officially being made a guidos, which is suspects. Mm-hmm. And um, just to show, like, literally how much there was no longer any positive uh, feeling towards them at all, as they were leaving the police station to walk back to their car, they were getting booed, like, from oh. people on the street. Oh, this is so heartbreaking. I know, I know. It's awful. It's awful. So on September 9, two days after they are made official Arguidos and four months after Maddie's disappearance, the McCanns are advised to go back to England because they could get arrested and ended up like end up in a prison while all this is being investigated and mm. that kind of thing. So they do. They pack up everything, take the twins, and they go back to England. And after that, not much really happens in terms of progress on the case itself. Mm. Like the Portuguese police keep investigating for another year, but they find no solid evidence either that the McCanns did it or that anyone else did it or Mm -hmm. that they didn't do it. They just don't really find anything. Mm -hmm. So they put the investigation on hold in 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, pretty much about a year later. They also removed the Aguido label from the McCanns at that point just because they're shelving the investigation and from that local man who had been accused um they removed the aguido label from him as well but his life was ruined he ended up suing later and getting a bit of money Mm -hmm. she deserved um and despite being like hounded by the press still the mccann's continued to try and keep her story in the public eye and in the press they were like this is horrible we hate this but also we need it otherwise Mm -hmm. everyone will just forget she'll be another kid that you heard about once yeah. that you never think about again. Just a statistic. Yeah. So over the next few years, um, they write a book They about Maddie. They release computer-generated images of her on her birthdays, like this is what she would look like this year, this mm-hmm. is what she would look like this year. They keep it going. And, um, and this is really heartbreaking. At one point in a TV interview, Jerry refers to other girls who had been abducted and then found years later, like the girls taken by Ariel Castro and Elizabeth Smart and JC Dugard. And he says, because like quite a few of those stories came out in the Mm -hmm. US press, like in quite quick succession. And um, he said, some of the scenarios with other people who've been abducted and kept, it's just so unbelievable that you think, how could that have happened? And that's probably what's going to happen with Madeline's case. Mm -hmm. Like they truly, really did... It wasn't just like keeping it going for, you know, maybe we'll find her body. Like they thought she was alive. Mm. And I guess like how it'd be too hard to believe she wasn't. Yeah. You just have to believe that she is, I guess. And they were at this point starting to get um, accused of like, where is all the money going that people are donating to the charity? Like hugely famous people donated like, um, people and like and talked about it, mm-hmm. like people like J.K. Rowling and 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 um, uh, Stephen Fry and like all these big people in British like celebrity land were all talking about it. like so it was like you must be making millions mm. like what what's happening where's it going and they were just pay, like paying private investigators paying for press stuff if anything came up that needed to be tested or whatever they would use that money to mm-hmm. to do it like mm-hmm. that was literally what they were using it for. Um, in 2011, Scotland Yard 
starts their own investigation at the instruction of uh, the British government. And within a few weeks, it takes hardly any time at all, they find that Kate and Jerry McCann are unequivocally innocent. It's just obvious. There's no question. They Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with this. The evidence proves it. Mm -hmm. And after that, the press kind of has to back off with the crazy headlines um, because the police have confirmed they didn't do it. So Mm -hmm. you can't get away with saying like, well, maybe. Like it's kind of leaning into defamation now. But also in 2011 was the Levison, Levison, Levison inquiry into misconduct by the British press. Mm-hmm. So all to do with the phone tapping and all that stuff. And um, the McCanns featured as a major example of misconduct in that inquiry and mm-hmm. were interviewed just about like what they went through and the headlines and how awful it was. And that was when really people really started to step back and go, oh my God, like what have we done to these people? Mm. Why did we all just turn into a crazy mob and eat them alive when their daughter was missing. Mm. Like there's this quote here. I wasn't going to read it, but I'll read it to you. In this inquiry, um, Kate McCann said, these were desperate times. We were having to try and find our daughter ourselves and we needed all the help we could get. And we were faced with headlines like corpse in the car. I don't know how many times I read body fluids in the car and it gets repeated often and it becomes fat. There were no body fluids and we desperately wanted to shout out, it's not true, it's not true. But when it's your voice against the powerful media, it just doesn't hold weight. But we were desperately shouting at them internally, saying, please stop what you're doing. Mm. We're trying to find our daughter and you are stopping our chances of finding her. Like, isn't that just... At one point, um, News of the World... It got leaked to them, probably by the Portuguese police, um, because it had been seized during their initial investigation, uh, Kate McCann's diary and all the diary entries she was writing Mm. after the disappearance, like how she was feeling, all got published. (laughs) All got published in News of the World. And she said, I'd written these words and these thoughts at the most desperate time of my life. Most people don't have to experience that. And, and this is so sad, it was my only way of communicating with Madeline. Mm. So she was writing to Madeline, like in her journal after she was gone. And she says, there was absolutely no respect shown for me as a grieving mother or as a human being or for my daughter. Mm. And it made me feel very vulnerable and small. I just couldn't believe the injustice. I actually just recently read through my diary entries at that point and at that point, at that week, and I talk about climbing into a hole and not coming out because I just felt so worthless. Oh, So. That is a punch in the gut. Yeah. And Lindy Chamberlain has said very similar things about what she went through and how she was feeling and they just, all you want is for them to figure out what happened and they just won't stop accusing you. Mm. And what do you mean? How do you deal with that? Have there been any journalists that were writing about her in this brutal way at the time who've come forward to either apologise or explain? Not really. <laughs> Not really, no. I mean, a lot of the journalists, um, the tabloid journalists at the time of the Levinson Inquiry, you know, there was a big reshuffle then, like Rebecca, what was her name? Uh, mm. uh, 
Oh, the one Harry Rupert hates. Murdoch's, yeah, Rupert Murdoch's number one lady, Rebecca something with the red curly hair. She sort of lost her job. A lot of people at this time lost their jobs. I'm pretty sure Piers Morgan lost his job. He had a big part in a lot of the phone hacking stuff. Like, right. And so a lot of these people just kind of ended up getting moved on anyway. News of the World shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this one journalist, a Portuguese journalist, who there was a, a documentary came out about Maddie McCann in 2019 on Netflix called, I think, The Disappearance of Madeleine McCann. It's like eight parts. It's really detailed. Mm. And she still is convinced they did it and very proudly talks to this documentary crew about all the things she found that she thinks proves it. And she, she'll she keep writing about it today. She's like, they did it. And I was breaking the story wide open. Like She's not apologetic, apologetic at all. <sighs> Yuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not post a link to her work. No, I don't think we will. So um, Scotland Yard doesn't find anything concrete in that 2011 uh, investigation they opened and nothing much kind of happens. The story pops up over the years, like on her birthday when they released the aged up mm. photos and stuff. And then the 10-year anniversary popped around in 2017 Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of stories and press like 10 years on, what's happened, what's the status of the case. So it was in the press quite a bit in 2017. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, brings the story uh, to a lot more people in the public and um, a lot of leads start coming in from people, mm. um, including a call to the German police from a woman who said her boyfriend had talked about uh, the night before Madeline disappeared, needing to go into Prada Luge the next day to do something um, very disturbing that he didn't want to talk to her about. Mm-hmm. And this man, I don't know, a lot of people publish his full name. I think in Germany you're not allowed to say it. I'm just going to call him Christian B. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been accused in the past of um, sexually abusing children he had fled a jail sentence in Germany in 1995 mm. for sexually abusing a child and he um, fled to Predeluge and lived there. Um, the same thing happened in 2016, another charge of the same kind. Mm. He was extradited to Germany from Predeluge in 2017, but only for some drug charge, so he wasn't in prison for long. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2019, he was convicted of uh, sexually assaulting a 72-year-old woman in oh. Prada Luge back in 2005, about half a mile from where Maddie was abducted. Mm-hmm. Phone evidence puts him in the vicinity of the apartment on the night she went missing. Like, you know how they ping the towers and know mm-hmm. where you are. Um, and the day after Madeline went missing, he changed his car registration and a few days after he moved out of the farmhouse he had been living in in Prada Luge for a decade. Okay. So. Little mountain of evidence there. Um, His girlfriend gave that tip to the German police in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only released as public information in 2020 that mm-hmm. he existed and that he was a suspect and he'd been named an official suspect. He was, um, at the time uh, he was named publicly, was in prison for the assault of that elderly woman. Mm-hmm. He is due to be released in 2025. Um, a lot of people are convinced that he he did it. Mm. German authorities say they think he did it. A lot of uh, people who were part of the case in Britain and Portugal think that he did it. But then in 2022, 
German authorities said that they have another official suspect, but it's someone they haven't named. They've just said there is another one. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it's landed. There mm-hmm. was that guy who people thought was pretty likely, but then they were like, mm, there's this other guy, but we're not saying much. And and as we stand today, that's that's it. She's still missing. They don't, they have a couple of official suspects, but nothing super concrete. Um, and there's still speculation about what happened. Like some people still think it was an ac- there was some kind of accident in the house and mm-hmm. they orchestrated this abduction to hide her body, get away with it. Mm. Some people think maybe she wandered off and like drowned in the ocean. Like, so, like mm-hmm. she, an accident happened, but then it's like, well, why wouldn't we have found her? Yeah. Um, and most people, though, think that she was abducted. It's just like by who and when and what happened and where mm. is she now? What do you like? What do you think? A uh, simplest explanation is usually the correct one. I think it was and probably that dude. Yeah, the one with it, like with the phone ping and the it, right. Like based on what you've just told me, I'm very surprised he hasn't been charged and stood trial yet. Well, I was shocked today when I was like, "Where is he? Oh, in prison, due to be released." In two years. Oh, so he got, what, a six-year sentence? Yeah, for, for the 2005 assault of that uh, Pretty weak. elderly woman. Um, and so, you know, we're at a point now where it pops up in the news now. And again, like I said at the start, it's been in the news lately because of that um, girl saying that she thinks she might be her, this Polish mm. girl called Julia thinks she might be Maddie McCann because she does have the eye thing. Ah. And she does kind of, like, I mean, to be like, well, because Maddie would be 19 now and I think this girl is 20 or something. And, uh, I mean, that 17 years or whatever, or like however long it's been, I don't know, like, or 15 years or something, like, she doesn't look entirely the same, but also it's like, well, enough time has passed. Like, she doesn't look crazy different. Just looking at her now, yeah, you're right. I mean... You know, it's like, well, it's been a lot of years. Are they doing DNA tests? So this girl has said she wants to do DNA and there's been a whole lot of like, I don't know, it's all a bit dodgy and weird and um, and we record these two weeks early, these episodes now. So mm. in the next two weeks before this comes out, something may have been announced about her. Mm. But um, the McCanns have just said, look we'd be happy for her to do DNA. Why wouldn't we? Mm. Yeah, let her, like, of course. They're not saying no. I mean, I'm I'm sure they think it's probably unlikely and it's just this weird girl on TikTok, but they've said, yeah, if she wants to do it, like, we'll provide whatever, match it, let's see. Um, her parents are denying her permission, though. Her parents are saying that she's nuts, but then she's like, we'll show everyone my birth certificate and stuff from the first few years of my life, and her parents don't have it. Uh-huh. So... Hmm. Mm. I got to tell you, I'm kind of surprised that there's a delay. Like DNA testing is a commercial thing that you can spend like, what, 50 bucks, send it off to 23andMe or whatever. That's why people are like, she's probably delaying it just to keep the story going as long as possible. Like, because she's become quite famous the last couple Right, drag out her 15 minutes. But I mean, the McCann's just very graciously said, yes, we'd be happy to look at whatever results Uh come through. Um, if Madeline 
was alive today. Like I said, she'd been 19. Mm. The McCanns kind of went back to living their lives as best they could. They continued to try and keep attention on Maddie, but they had a life to live. Mm. And so they went back to work as doctors. The twins are 17 now. Mm. They had to move on. And um, Kate did say um, in a quote on the 10-year anniversary, so back in 2017, you don't realise how strong you are until you have no option. And I think that's very true. Obviously, massive events like this cause a lot of reaction, a lot of trauma and upset. But ultimately, you have to keep going, and especially when you've got other children. But she is just alive to us today as she was 10 years ago. Mm. And that's <sighs> where things are at now. That's just the gist of the disappearance of Madeline McCann. Very, very sad one. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, there's part of me that really does hope that this girl turns out Maybe to be the real deal and that they can then be reunited. But like, after all the time they've lost, who knows, you know, how that's going to spark up various different yeah. forms of trauma for them. Um, but oh, It's so gross that this mob mentality mm. can set in so easily. Mm. And we've spoken about it several times. And there are still people that are suspicious because there are details that people sort of saw a headline in the news or heard in the background somewhere and never verified. Think like you can say to people about like the McCanns and whether you think they did it and they'd go, oh, well, you know, I mean, the cadaver dog smelt a dead body in their car the day after. And it's like, no, no, that's not how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, it's all Chinese whispers and it gets all mixed up and, and people remember details from back then that weren't correct then and aren't correct now, but mm. it's just landed in this cultural place in the zeitgeist where a lot of people do kind of still think, oh, they probably did it. Mm. People like knowing that there's a villain yeah. or a villain for them to believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sorry to keep bringing it back to it, but there are a lot of people who still think Lindy, Lindy Chamberlain, Chamberlain did, did it. it. Yeah. They still think Richard Jewell planted that bomb, yeah. even though all evidence is to the contrary. They've decided that they're going to keep their version of the narrative mm. alive. But I think Jean Bonnet's family did it. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'm like, I'm like... I never fall for any of that stuff except for the one where I want to. <laughs> but come on, they kind of did it. But, I mean, you know. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. But go back and listen to that. That was one of our very first episodes, I think, Sean Bonet Very Ramsey. early on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 they're just living their lives and people, some people still think they did it and it might be one of those ones, like with Sean Bonet, where we never find out. Mm. We'll never find out. We'll just, we'll never know. And that's awful for mm. them. You at least want, like, for some kind of closure to at least find her remains, find something, have someone admit it, tell you what happened. Yeah. Like, you might want to know. But, I mean, just something? Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe I'm wrong and maybe that would put a finality to it which would stop them from continuing the hope that she's alive. Mm. I don't know. No one can know, but that, like, what a position to be in that mm. no one understands yeah. or very few people understand. Oh, gosh. 
Okay, that's going to stay with me for the next few days. <laughs> so, um, okay. Uh, links uplift, in the show notes. Uplifting links in the show notes. Hug your kids. Hug your kids. Don't leave them unsupervised. Uh, yeah, don't don't go that far away to a restaurant. Mm. I'll put a link to the picture in the show notes too that shows you the the mm. walking distance and tra- and it's it's not close. Mm, mm. It's not close. Um. Something positive. Uh, <laughs> rainbows. Um, uh, Hello Kitty. Uh, oh, God, are our lives... I can't think of any positive, nice things to just... Words to say. <laughs> isn't that... Isn't that bad? Uh-oh. I've got therapy next week. Talk about that. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> say one positive word. Uh, uh, Hello Kitty! My <laughs> brain went straight to cocaine because I saw cocaine. <laughs> yeah, okay, likely story. All right, bye everyone. <laughs> Jacob, William, Stanley. Rosanna, Eilish, Borderland. I have mm. a prediction Ooh. for what next week's Just the Gist episode will be. It involves. The end of the world, JFK, Princess Diana, a monk, something called Dropsy, and fortune cookies. What could it be? Tune in. He is credited with predicting every major and particularly horrific event in world history over the centuries. The wars, the plagues, the famines, the assassinations... Mm -hmm. Right up to 9-11, COVID, even cryptocurrency. Straight up here, though, if he predicted them, then why did they happen? Good point. (laughs) And we'll unpack that. (laughs) Okay, yeah. You make a really, really valid point (laughs) that we'll probably keep circling back to, despite the fact that, yes, he made these predictions and yet they've been in no way helpful or useful Uh, over the decades. He has this reputation as being the greatest prophet in history and his name has become synonymous with psychic powers. Listener.